Qi Ying had been out of favor since the old emperor's death. He had incurred the wrath of a number of officials by indiscreetly suggesting that they were redundant, whereupon they persuaded the new emperor to denounce him and allege that he oppressed the people to please foreigners, as well as exaggerating the threat of British strength. Since then, the old Manchu had lived quietly. No doubt he was pleased at this chance to get back into the swim. He would never have been rash enough to point out, much less rub in, that he had been right after all about the British, but that fact hadn't escaped the observation of several nobles who now sponsored his appointment. Qi Ying went to join the other commissioners in Tianjin, Guiliang and Hua Shana, who were not pleased that they should be subordinate to this newcomer. Guiliang, a Manchu, happened to be father-in-law to Prince Gong, a half-brother of the emperor. He got on to Prince Gong, who promptly wrote a strong protest against the arrangement and sent it to the emperor. Barbarians were naturally insatiable, he declared, and Qi Ying had never been firm enough with them. In Qi Ying's previous handling of barbarian affairs, if he did not humble himself to give in to them, he mumbled what was taken for consent, feared barbarians like tigers and treated the people like grass, and brought about a great disaster with evil consequences to the present. The prince went on sarcastically, as his rank permitted him, that if the submission to the barbarians was the emperor's wish, the other two commissioners could be as submissive as necessary, without Qi Ying's help. Whereas, if that wasn't the aim of the exercise, Qi Ying, of all people, was not the man to be trusted to put up resistance. This objection, even when bolstered by Guiliang's and Hua Shana's and other dissenting voices which spoke of Qi Ying's conciliatory methods, did not change the minds of the emperor and his council. They felt that a bit of Qi Ying's specialty, conciliation and soothing, would not come amiss when the enemy was massing in strength at their very door. But they reckoned without full knowledge of the enemy's resources. The enemy had a secret weapon, which was to be wielded by of all unexpected people, the British interpreters. The story of the part these interpreters played in the negotiations is unusual. In theory, such people are nothing but machines for translating, even though in practice they have been known to damp down insults, cover up gaffes, or even for one purpose or another suppress part of the truth. H. N. Lay and Thomas Francis Wade were something more in this affair than mere interpreters. From the beginning, Elgin not only permitted but encouraged them to take active part in the conversations. Indeed, he usually left them to discuss affairs by themselves.